enjoyed it, Doctor? Being human? Has it taught you wonderful things? Are you better, richer, wiser? Then let's see you answer this. Which one of them do you want us to kill? Maid or matron? Your friend or your lover? Your choice. Welcome to Two Guys, a Girl, and the Podcast. We're talking Doctor Who today, but before we do that, I'd like to introduce everyone that's at the podcast. I am Ken. Julia. Annie. Okay. And we have two girls and a guy this day, so that'll be good. Before we get going on this, Michael Jason passed away recently, age 88. He was the Valyard in the trial mm-hmm. of Time Lord season. Uh, the whole season. So he was there, and he's been in a bunch of other stuff. He was in a the movie Tinker Tailor's Soldier Spy, a um, bunch of other stuff, Coordination Street. He was also in an episode of UFO, which I kind of know him from. Um, so that's that. Um, other Doctor Who news: There's a they released the soundtrack to Edge of Destruction. On uh, on disc or whatever, or maybe it's on uh, regular streaming too, which is kind of weird. I don't know if they're going to do that with other episodes, but the music from that two-parter is coming out officially, or it will be out um, at some point. So I thought that was kind of weird. And, yeah, it's coming out in April. It's weird because... I remember back in the day, I would like, oh, you know, and I would get all that stuff, you know, but now it's like, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I don't really understand releasing, like, incidental music to TV shows. Like, TV yeah. shows will usually have a soundtrack. Yeah. And yeah. a show like Doctor Who, it's just... I don't know. I guess I just don't find the music as big of a part of the show as some people do. I, I, get, I don't understand who it's aimed at, but maybe it's aimed at the hardcore fans. Well, I think I have a lot of incidental music um, soundtracks or whatever you call them from everything. I used to collect that. I used to I have, um, I think I have a Babylon 5 music. Yeah, I have Alien, the movie. I have tons of John Carpenter movies. I, I love incidental music, and some of it is really, really good. But when it comes to Doctor Who, it's it's some of it's pretty good, but it's limiting, I think. You, you know, it, And some of this music has got to be from other sources. Like, they're not just made for Doctor Who, but they take these um, canned music or whatever from a, 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 a um, library. But... Oh. Yeah, but I, hmm. I mean... You know, I don't know. Um, some of the music I would get, I would listen to once, and I'd go, "Okay, why did I get that?" But other things, I would, I, I rock out to it a little bit. You know, like, da, 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 you know, whatever. But <laughs> not as much anymore. But what have you guys been doing, like, in terms of watching anything good or reading anything? Or oh, I have a book. Oh boy, do I have a book. It's an older oh. book. Yeah. Um, N.K. Jemisin, the fifth season. Holy cow. It's the first book in a trilogy. I couldn't put it down. And I can't really explain it without giving it all away. But it's, you know, it's set in another world. 
but it's not sci-fi. It's definitely more on the fantasy side of things. It it was so good, and I just started the second one in the trilogy, and it won that? like the Nebula Award or the Hugo Award yeah. or something. I can't remember it. Oh, the whole trilogy did. What was it called hmm. again? What was the it called? Fifth season. The fifth season. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, it's so good. It's what year super did it go? Oh, so you I'm say sure. it's older, right? You know. Well, like 2010, like older. Oh, okay. Not super old, but you know, it's been out for a while. You can definitely find it in paperback. I borrowed it from the library. Hmm. But yeah, awesome book. Highly yeah. recommend. Good to know. Thank you. Hmm. I finished watching Foundation, which has been on Apple TV for a while now, but I just never got around to watching it. You kind of have to forget the books when you watch it because the emperors play a much, much bigger role in the series. But it's a great example of world building. Yeah. Um, and it's very dramatic. And I love the, the actor who plays the emperor. I believe he wasn't pushing daisies. And I can't believe that he's playing an emperor now because there are such different roles. Yeah. But he's very, very good. Any word and, on whether or not they're going to do a second season or that? Or Well, they, there are two seasons. And now they, it has been renewed for a third. Oh, okay. Good. It's always good that a show has a chance to breathe and goes a few seasons and everything. And that, at some point, I think that's on my list. Once I get access to that, I will. That's one of the shows that I want to tackle at some point. Mm -hmm. They do end every episode in a cliffhanger, which is good and frustrating. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I um for books, I've actually been reading a couple older books. Um, Demolition Man. Um, oh, uh, was that Alfred Bester? I think, um, and I, I had it in my collection, and I recently have been trying to clean up um, my my area, and um, I found all these old books, and I don't know if I remember reading it or not, but um, Alfred Bester, yeah, and it, it's pretty good, and I'm not. I think there was a movie out of it. Um, but I don't, it, 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 Sylvester Stallone was in the movie called Demolition Man. I don't know if it's Yeah, it was a Sylvester, yeah. Sylvester Stallone I do remember movie. seeing that movie, but I don't, oh, that one. Okay, yeah, there's no. Is it different than the, is it different than the book? Yeah, I, I, oh. I, I, I didn't recognize, I know, I know Demolition Man. Uh, I don't understand the movie. I don't understand why it's called that with the book. I, I, I don't know. The book is completely different, but. Um, whatever. <laughs> I like the movie, but it's one of Sandra Bullock's first movies. I think. Mm -hmm. I also read, um, I am reading in the middle of reading again, cause I have read this a couple of times. Um, Clockwork Orange, which is, um, Oh God, that book. <laughs> it's a, it's a tough read because it, you don't understand it unless you go back to the glossary every five seconds. <laughs> it's like talking in a different language. That's one thing I've never read or or seen the movie. Oh, Oops. don't watch the movie. The movie. I, is... I've just been too intimidated to watch it. I I love yeah. the movie. I love. The movie. Oh, the movie is brutal. It is. It is pretty violent, and but it's it's interesting, for sure. It kind of shows that whole mentality of what violence is, is, and you know the nature of violence and stuff like that. It's worth reading the book. 
it is a tough read because of the weird, you know, made up language, but um, you do sort of start to get what they're talking about after a while. Yeah. Um, but it's still, it's a tough read, but it's, a, I mean, the I, I couldn't sit through the movie. Like the first five minutes I got up and walked out because I was like, uh, ugh, couldn't no. deal. Um, yeah. But the book was, it's worth reading. I don't know that yeah. I'd read it again. It's one of those books, like I read it. I don't know I want to read it again. Yeah. Well, I think I'm probably going to end up putting these books in a tag sale or donating them somewhere or something. And so I think, you know, I'm just going to kind of go through them. Unless it's a book I feel that I want to hold on to or something, I'll probably um, get rid of some of these books. That Clockwork Orange I might hold on to. but. Um, well, your daughter might have to read it at some point in school. Yeah, maybe. Although they're not doing that as much anymore. They're kind of giving them a choice of what to read. And it's like, what? Yeah, that's true. They don't get, they don't, they don't do like the classic books anymore. It seems. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, I don't, I, I'm not that, I'm not that upset about it. Cause let me tell you, I read enough Charles Dickens in high school. I never want to read him again. Well, <laughs> I mean, I love the idea of having a choice, but I mean, I mean, yeah, we, well, we were forced to read books that we were like, I don't want to read this. <laughs> Right, you know, but um, but there are some books I feel are important for people to read. Yeah, even if they don't might not want to, just because it, it, it hopefully they'll take a lesson from it, like Lord of the Flies. Yeah, you know that's a classic, and I I read that in school, and we had a whole yeah. unit on it, and oh yeah, and it stayed with yeah. me over the years. There's yeah. some I think that are worth reading, but like I don't think you have to force kids through. You know, like I said, Charles Dickens or The Scarlet Letter. I mean, God. Oh, that took forever. So hard to read because the language is so different to how we speak now. Yep, yep. That you're just like, and so what if this woman had an affair? Who cares? And then got, <laughs> like, is that, that's not an issue anymore. Yeah. And but the so, public shaming is, you know, well, this is a counterpoint, you know, with the cancel culture and everything like that, that can be seen in this, in that book. Yeah, but I think there are other books out there that could portray it in a way that's more relatable. Okay, that would make sense. Yeah. Well, I think eventually, you know, books... Well, anyways, we can get on this topic. We'll have to set this up as a different topic to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's it. I think we can go into the episode now. Um, Human Nature and Family of Blood, it's a two-part story. Um that is kind of based on a book called Human Nature by Paul Cornell. Uh, really? So this is like, yeah, this is a a book that was created a few years earlier, a Doctor Who book, and they took many elements from it, including the whole, um, the picture, the photo, the cover of the book has the doctor in a um, teaching outfit uh, showing kids how to shoot a gun a machine gun or whatever getting ready to shoot um and i am going to say that this is one of my favorite doctor who episodes of all time mm. yeah they're, they're really both of them are excellent episodes they really stand out for me too and i was i always thought they were good but as going back and watching it now it was just stood out to me how good it is how good the performances are by everyone mm. mm -hmm. yeah 
I mean, it's a it's a fairly simple story. We we get start we start right in the middle of it. The doctor and um, Martha are being chased by something. We don't know what's going on. They seem to be in a panic. The doctor says they're going to keep following us until something happens, and then he does something and he becomes human, so that they throw the family of blood off the track, and that sets up this story where he's a teacher and he's just kind of like what was it 1913 yeah 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 um just a year before the war starts and they're get kind of everyone kind of seems to be getting ready or they they kind of it's kind of a weird it, there's so much going on in the episode but it is very easy to understand but you have the that whole family of blood storyline. Then you have the doctor falling in love. Then you have the whole concept, which I thought was really fascinating, how they're teaching kids how to shoot. And I don't know if they knew that there was a war coming, and so that's why they were doing this. But And there was the whole moral question of why are they doing this? And, and you know, um, it was pretty cool. I don't know if they know the war was coming, but the British Empire had armies all over the world at that point, you know? Yeah. So maybe they were just grooming them to be in the army. Probably. Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, tensions were pretty high by 1913, yeah. but more so in Eastern Europe. Mm -hmm. um, Poland, Serbia, whatever those Eastern Bloc countries were called at the time. Um, Russia. That's where the tension was. Yeah. So I don't think that Britain actually thought they were going to get into the war until probably right around when this was set. Yeah. I mean, the war hadn't started yet, but I, you no. know, but I'm, I'm sure the powers that be knew that it was coming. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I like the whole idea that Joan Redford, uh, who's played by Jessica Hines, um, she's kind of questioning the whole thing. I don't understand why they're teaching the kids. And of course the doctor is not the doctor. He's what John Smith, John Smith. Yeah. And uh, Mr. John Smith. And he's just like, you know, acts like a regular human. You know, he, he says, yeah, well, this is what we need to do and everything. And, and, uh, you know, at one point, one of the, the kids says, I want to, you know, can we beat up this kid for making a mistake? And he goes, yeah, go ahead or whatever. And it's like, yeah. you know, um, well, that was the mentality back then. My my grandfather went was was Irish, and he went to an Irish boarding school, and that's the that's what you went through in schools at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and I like the idea that I, I I'm not a big fan of the Martha character, but she's really good in this because her where it's almost from her perspective where she's trying to figure out how to deal with the doctor's situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at one point she's trying to, and, and we, we learn more and more about this as it goes on, but, you know, she's like trying not to tell him, you know, what's going on because he needs to stay be, being a human. But then at some point all hell breaks loose and she's like, Oh God, now I got to get him to somehow come out of this and be who he's supposed to be. So there's a lot of layers to this, a lot of neat stuff happening. I do want to focus on Mar Martha for a moment. I like that they had the, I didn't like that they said them, 
I like that they included the racist comments, that they didn't shy away from that, because that would have been in this time period. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. And I want to say the one drawback of, it, of this episode is that she's, I find her pining after the Doctor annoying, but that's just a part of the character. I, and that, that's it, one, it, yeah, yeah. I did not, that's why I don't like her character that much, because I don't like that. It, it makes her weak. It feels like she's a doctor, and there's parts of this episode where she's kind of fighting against Jones saying, I know a lot about this stuff too. And, you know, that's like, that's good. That's, you know, that's the way it should be. Cause she probably, mm-hmm. well, she has definitely know, has more knowledge of medicine than Joan does because, but yeah, then it's like, Oh, he never would love me. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, come on. You know, you can be better than that. <laughs> it just feels so grafted onto the character. I know we, I know we keep yeah. saying this about her, but it just, it, it just really stood out because everything else this episode was so good. This is just sticking like a sore thumb. So, yeah, I, I, I don't like. Part of me can understand why Martha pines after him. I mean, first of all, he's the doctor, but also her. She doesn't have a very good example at home of what a relationship should look like. Her parents are terrible people. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and she is always sort of the forgotten one. Mm-hmm. You know, the one that everybody dumps on and and doesn't. They never ask her, like, hey, how was your day? You know, they're just yeah. like, they call her up and they dump on her. So she's just, seems like she's sort of desperate for somebody to fall for. Yeah. To, like, I don't know, create her own life. And it seems like she would latch on to just about anybody. Just that side of her personality. Well, and, and I think it. one of the things was, and I like LaRoe's character, but the, her, her time was done on the show at least for a while. Uh, but she was still in this, this season because she was mentioned quite a bit. She was like, I can't compete with her. And it felt to me like Russell T. Davis was sort of saying, you, you know, it's like it was he was the one dragging it out. And I think a lot of people were like, can we not do this anymore? And mm-hmm. the whole romance thing is kind of like, I don't like the romance with the doctor anyways. And, you, you know, you can kind of allude to it, but it just, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, by the way, the book has the seventh doctor as the doctor, Sylvester McCoy, and the book takes place in 1914. So, oh, I think there was more, if I remember correctly, it's been a long time since I read the book. I think there was more of an urgency. I think they, they kind of knew that they were grooming the kids for um, more and stuff like that. So it was a little more urgency. So I don't know why. That would really change everything, I would think. Well, I think so. And I think the whole thing is they moved it back because they wanted to do that whole thing where the character um, Tim gets the um, the um, flash forward of, of, yeah. The, yeah, of the, of the oh, yeah. situation and everything. And um, so maybe that's why they kind of played that a- more of a of – a, you know, why are they doing this thing? Yeah. Does the doctor fall in love in the book? Yeah, I think so. Oh. Yeah. I, I think it's the same thing. I think, I don't know if it's the character's Joan, but um, it's kind of the same with that. I, the, I don't think there was scarecrows in it. I mean, the whole family of blood thing was sort of um, the part that was added on. Oh, okay. Um, but it's been a while. 
right. it's worth a, it's, it's worth a read. It, it's a really good book, and maybe I'll go back. I wanted to go back and read it after I watched this episode, but I never did. I just want to kind of compare it. I I when we decided to review this one, I said, oh, I should have probably read the book, but I don't even know where it is. <laughs> okay. Um, I do want to mention the performance of Harry Lloyd as Jeremy Baines. Yeah. He was so effective in this episode. Just the way he was kind of a bully to begin with. But he really seemed non-human when he was taken over. (laughs) Just his whole performance was so unnerving. Yeah. Yeah, I I can only ever think of that actor (laughs) as this character. And so when I watched... um, there was a movie that came out last year uh, called The Lost King about them finding Richard III's bones in the car park in Leicester. Um, and it was, he played Richard III. And it, it was bizarre because I just kept mm. waiting for him to be like super, super. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it wasn't a great. The, the Lost King wasn't a great movie, but I watched oh. it because I'm obsessed with Richard III. Um, and, you know, it had Sally Hawkins in it, and she's always good. He was, um, he was in, well, I, I, I know this is a, you know, this is, I put this on repeat. He was in Game of Thrones, too. Yes, he was. <laughs> he was Viserys, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't re- I don't remember that character, but um It was um Daenerys's brother, the one who got the gold port over his head. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's another creepy character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a nice guy. He's on Marcella. And uh Legion. Now I'm I've seen these shows, I don't remember Oh, he was Charles Xavier in Legion, okay. Yeah, so he was. I mean, someone said it earlier. The cast is really good in this. I think. I think um, everyone's really good. I think um, you got um, Harry Lloyd there, and you have um, whoever played T- Tim Latimer was really good. Thomas Brody Sangster. He was in um, Love Actually and Nanny McPhee, and he's been in a lot of stuff too. Yeah. And Game of Thrones also. And Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone. Yeah, I mean it's a pretty good cast. Uh, the woman who plays Jenny, uh, Rebecca Stat, she's really good. Uh, I mean everyone's really good. It's just uh, even you know obviously David Tennant and um, Freema are really good in this as well. Um, I like David Tennant's performance. It was because his character was just so different from the Doctor. He's not manic for once. We're used to seeing you know Doctor running around yeah, and really screaming relaxed. and everything. And he was just a regular human. He we, we knew as an actor that he was good at bumbling, but it was just interesting interesting the doctor kind of bumbling. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it uh, was I loved the in the second episode, you know, towards the end where he's deciding to, if he's going to open that watch or not. That whole scene with Joan Redfern was so good. Yeah, it was it was heartbreaking, you know. It, it's funny because when they showed that scene, he's really like he had really good. I mean, that's his, the best acting. I mean, he, that might be one of his favorite, one of my favorite scenes of him as an actor in Doctor Who. 
when he was not playing the doctor. But he, the way he says, why should I do this? It reminded me of when he regenerated the first time. Or the, I don't know if it was the first time, but it was the, the real time when he regenerated. So I don't want to go. Almost like, he's not whiny, but he just kind of like, he has an emotion about it. He just doesn't mm-hmm. accept it. And the same thing here. He just doesn't, as a human, he's like, I don't want this to go away. I mean, you know, my love for her and I want her and this and that. And, you know, he's he basically his character is going to die and he has to, you know, do I have to be okay with this? No, you know, and and, um, you know, there's more there's a more emotion to it. I mean, it's amazing how this episode is just so well structured and put together like you said almost on every single level there's no, you know you could complain about little details but you know you have your acting you could have easily had not good actors and say well the acting wasn't that good but no i mean and you know it's you like know, I, even the i think even the minor characters you know the 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 kids who played the the other students you were like god you're such a jerk but you're you know you're portraying your character correctly you know mm-hmm. if you were like god you're an asshole um <laughs> and, you know it's it was very believable that these people were who they were portraying mm-hmm. and i always like that when you can get like you forget that you're watching the television show you know and you got that creepy girl walking around too yeah the creepy girl. yes she was creepy <laughs> um, I, I I like the setup of this. I like the idea that uh, we were introduced to the um, fob watch that would um, somehow be the catalyst to contain the doctor's um, memories or whatever, and then would be used later on to accidentally get Tim sort of uh, have an element of that or whatever. So that was really well done. And of course, later on, we get to see that watch later in a very um, important scene. I like the callbacks to other doctors in this episode. Like in that book, we have the drawings of all the previous doctors. I like that he says his parents are Sydney and Verity. Yep. These are callouts that the you know, fans were, could appreciate. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, uh, yeah, I think, um, let's see. There's so much, even the dialogue, I mean, at one point he goes, no man should hide him themselves, and it's like, yeah, but you're hiding yourself, doctor, and that that goes to the whole thing where Jones says that Mr. Smith is braver than the doctor, mm. and that mm. the doctor's the coward, and Mr. Smith is, is not, and stuff, which is really kind of cool, and, and telling, and possibly true, I mean, just the whole idea of it, but. She was such a good character. Mm. Yeah. Such a strong person. Yeah. I, I like the message. The He comes up with a message of rules. And um, on the video screen that Martha has to follow. And it's weird because it very much is like Blink, because he has a message in Blink as well, which is the next episode. So they kind of okay. go they go to the whole video message. And, and even at one point, she says something, and then the doctor feels like it, he responded. Like, she says something, and he goes, oh, 
and thank you or something like that. And it's like that kind of happened. That does happen in Blink where it feels like you're having a conversation with a, with a recorded message and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, kind of like a, almost a precursor to that. I did read that um, on the DVD they have all the message because she fast forwards it through some of it. Oh yeah. yeah. The, on the DVD and, and other outtakes, they have all his mess instructions to I've her. I've seen the, the, um, <laughs> the video of the other, of the bit that she fast forwards to, and it's just him talking. Yeah. You know, and he, he does that. What is it? Yippity doo, yippity da. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> bangle, bingle, bongle. Yeah. I mean, it's hilarious. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I like um, when the the family of blood are trying to sniff out someone, their heads tilt, and then the scarecrow heads tilt and everything. I thought that was added a level of creepiness. Uh, yeah, this was a creepy one. I, I mean, I don't, I, I'm, a, I'm a big chicken, and I don't <laughs> like being scared. But so this, to me, was like very, very scary. Not this time, because I'd seen it before. But the first yeah. time I watched it, I was watching through my fingers. Yeah, Even the camera angles were were odd. Like in the when they're in the ship, they had weird camera angles to make it seem even more otherworldly. Otherworldly. Yeah. And we were talking about music earlier. I don't really pay attention to the music a lot of times, but it they really stood out to me in the second watching just how good the music in this episode supports the scenes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have the marching music of the scarecrows and, and there's mm -hmm. always the doctor and Martha themes that show up i think that's lacking in the last few seasons of the show there's not there's it doesn't appear to be like you know say what you say about murray gold mary gold but i had a lot of problems with some of his music but he i recognize the music that he did he and and you know he did music themes for characters so yeah. as soon as you heard martha's theme you go well, that's martha's themes i recognize that and mm -hmm. it adds to it um, I like the whole confrontation where the family of blood basically confronts at the school and they're like saying, oh, you got your tin soldiers there and do they know the war is coming, blah, blah, blah. And all that stuff is just elevates in the second episode. And the, just the tension starts to build to the, you know, how are they going to get out of this? The doctor has to come back and, um, you know, and that, like we talked about already with that whole when they're in that abandoned house and they have to make the decision and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing. It's through the roof. And it's like, you know, there's a lot of stuff in this that I could consider some of my favorite favorites. And even the next episode called or the one after this is Blink. <laughs> and this season had a lot of really good episodes in it. And here's it really Rita. Did. Yeah. <laughs> Considering like Martha's generally considered one of people's least favorite companions, this had some amazing episodes. It really did. Yeah, I mean and, and this two parter was just you know he's you know it's just every scene, you know, he's yelling at or someone's yelling at Martha I have written down here. I don't know. You know, poor Martha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's caught um in a situation that's kind of hard to deal with and but she she does what she needs to do and I, it's so frustrating when they were trying to look for the watch and they kept passing tim in the hallway and he had it and it's like ah just grab it <laughs> he's got it you know um 
I found it very interesting that they did the little trick where he goes in and I, it didn't fool me. I don't know if it fooled you guys initially where he goes in and he starts falling around and pushing all the buttons and stuff. It's like, oh, the doctor's back. You could even tell, even though he still sounded like, oh, I want to, you know, he's acting like John Smith. You could tell he was kind of the, he's back now because he's acting. Yeah. A little bit yeah. like the doctor and stuff like that. But I thought that was pretty, pretty cool because we don't actually see him transform back to the doctor. He just, the whole trick where he goes in and says, oh, it's me, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put that, I have a thing here called Martha slash love. And I have a bunch of down arrows. We talked about that already. I didn't oh, know. yeah. <laughs> um, the At the end, the doctor's pretty ruthless with the family of blood. He puts them in, like, they're, they're, he doesn't kill them or anything. They, he just kind of puts them in situations. He puts one of he puts um, the little girl in a mirror. Yeah, that was creepy. Daughter, was it daughter <laughs> or mine or sister? Daughter of mine. Well, the person's talking. Yeah, so. that's true. Um, and I don't remember where mother of mine go, went to. Some some eternally col- collapsing universe. Oh, out in the out in the edge of space. Yeah, and then of course, uh, Mains gets caught in the um, in a uh, scarecrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I thought was really like wow, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think the punishment indicates how much he was in love with Matron and losing all that, losing all the potential he had for happiness there. That's why his vengeance is so harsh. I think mm-hmm. so. He didn't seem to have much emotion because do- he was the doctor then. And he was just like, this is, this is what has to happen or whatever. But maybe. I, I didn't think of it that way. But That's how I interpreted it. Yeah. I mean, I guess that could be a possibility. He was really pissed, but I mean, he doesn't show it, though. No, he doesn't show emotion as the doctor usually. Mm-hmm. That's why when he does, it's so emotional. You know, he's a, he's very stoic, despite his laughter and running around like a crazy person. Well, and that's why the scene with the doctor and Joan at the end is so... Because here they are together again. And she's like, is there any part of him in there? And he's just like so emotionless and saying, yeah, he's in there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And then that's when she gets mad and says, well, you, he's braver than you. You know, mm-hmm. you're he, he's probably a better person than you are because of what you do and stuff like that. And he's just like, yeah, you're probably right type of thing. And, you know, just doesn't have any emotion. It doesn't have as much sympathy for her, I don't think. Right. Or no, he, he does want her to come He says, you can come along if you want. But it's like. <laughs> but she points out that how many people would have would have died if. Would, no one would have died if he hadn't come yes. there. Yeah. You know? So all yeah. this is his fault for coming there. Yeah. And that happens occasionally in Doctor Who, where it's the doctor that brings the death and destruction. And mm-hmm. this is an, a good example of that. Most of the time, he comes in and rescues people from an existing situation. But in this case. Yeah, there was a few people that died. Um, kids died. Kids, kids died, died, and um, all the I'm assuming Jeremy Baines and the little girl, and they're kind of dead when they yep, got taken over. Yeah. Well, and and the little girl killed her family because yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a 
it's a pretty uh and the the family of blood bombed the village mm -hmm. yeah so yeah. who knows who died there yeah yeah it's um it's such a good story because it t it deals with those those that whole thing and yeah it's just really well done i i, I mean <laughs> You know, I don't know if it's my favorite of all time, but but it certainly is up there. And mm -hmm. It could be in my top ten. I did want to point out that I read, I had never seen this, but when they were, they were re-shown um, in Britain for the, the COVID-19 pandemic, there were three interlinked short stories, The Shadow Passes, Shadow of a Doubt, and Shadow in the Mirror, which were seen as a sequel to both the novel and the TV series. I haven't seen them. I'd like to at some point. I don't know where I can see them, but I'd be very what? interested in seeing sequels. What are they called? Shadow. Um, the Shadow Passes, Shadow of a Doubt, and The Shadow in the Mirror. Hmm. They're short stories by Paul Cornell. Are they filmed or are they books? I'm trying to see. This is just on Wikipedia. Um, yeah, I'm looking right now. It's a short story. It's on bbc.co.uk. It's the Doctor, Yaz, Graham, and Ryan. Uh, go to a planet or something, and I don't know where the connection is, but it's well, the by Paul, Paul Cornell, so yeah, worth reading. Yeah, I just never noticed this until I saw it. Look at the Wikipedia page. Huh. If you have a um. VPN, you can read them on the BBC website. Yeah, I think you can read them without a VPN. At least well, one I'm of them. I'm on Doctor Who TV dot news, and I think it's here. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Shadow of a Doubt seems to be on YouTube, and Shadow in the Mirror is also on YouTube. Um, Paul Cornell was one of my favorite authors of the Doctor Who New Adventure books. Uh, and, and the other ones, he, he, um, I met him at a convention one time and at visions and he, um, he was really good at continuity. Um, the books, when they were, they, when they came out, I don't want to get too into it, but the new adventure books where this book, the human, human nature was written, he had a really good way of taking all the previous books and sort of fixing continuity errors and stuff. And, you know, it was fascinating talking with him because he had so much, he had so much knowledge about Dr. Who that he was able to. And I think if I'm not mistaken, there was the journal was there in the book and there was a lot of references to the past and everything. And, you know, it kind of, you know, but, I'm surprised he didn't write as many episodes for the series. I'm just flabbergasted that he didn't. I, I as soon as I heard that he was writing this episode, I'm like, oh my god, this is the best thing ever because he was one of my favorite authors from that series. And how many did he do? He did he only do a couple of episodes? Um, it doesn't even say. Anyways. He only wrote three episodes of Doctor Who. Hmm. Yeah. He wrote Father's Day. Oh, yeah. That's another good one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. 
we want to talk more about this one. Um, I think we've covered it. Big, yeah. Based 10 out of 10, I think, all around. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening. <laughs>